Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. To the Man on the Post weekend review. My name's Chris, and joining me this week we've got Dave. Hello, hello. And we've got Ali. Hello, how are we doing? How are how are we, gents? We all good? Hi, very good indeed. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, same. I'm finally actually enjoy the game of football for once. Really? I'm not sure which one that was, but we'll get onto those in a minute. Um, a limited amount of football this weekend. We've been in the FA Cup semi-final weekend. Uh, I believe there were five Premier League games this weekend. Have I got? Yeah, five Premier League games to go through uh, and two FA Cup semi-finals. We might as well cover uh, maybe some other bits and bobs if we've got time. So, you can tell, as Ali's here, Liverpool have played and won this weekend. Um, the Friday night football saw uh, Liverpool travel to their reserve team ground of St Mary's, uh, where they came away with a 3-1 win. I might as well let you lead the line for this one, Ali. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the first time I'm not going to complain about Klopp in a long time. Um, he got the... I thought he picked the team right. Obviously, he didn't play that well the first half. He got his changes spot on, to be fair. Um, and it was just a much better, comfortable second half. Um, but I think the goals were always coming in the second half. We should have had a penalty. Um, it was it was the first time I've enjoyed a game, and in a long time. Okay, so the goals came from say Shane Long got Southampton off to a decent start, uh, and in the, to be fair, in the first half it looked like Southampton had been watching a lot of Liverpool this season and, and knew exactly how to get the you know how to get results out of them. You know they were playing balls across uh, across the face of goal, which I've noticed this season that Allison isn't that comfortable with. Uh, you know, obviously playing the ball in the air when you have got Virgil Van Dijk just heading it out constantly is not not going to get you much success. Um, but yeah, second half, like I say Keita pulled one back. Uh, uh, did he score in the first? He was in the first half, wasn't he? he pulled one first half, yeah, just before yeah. half. Pulled one for, 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 uh, before half time, yeah. Uh, and then Salah in a goal. A lot of people say he should have passed, but what do you think? Well, if he hasn't scored it, you're saying he should pass, yeah. But I think I can't remember which one of you guys said it last week. Just about that frustration he's had, and I mean, I've mentioned it like a few times how his performances haven't been great, and mm-hmm. it's the sort of goal he needed, and it just shows that his confidence hasn't been anywhere. As much as the frustration's been there, you know, mm-hmm. there's not many players on a, you know, a non-scoring form like that is going to try that, especially at one all. Maybe if we're winning, or I think the. Uh... The goalkeeper made his mind up for him. He showed him far too much of that side of the goal. He was expecting him to cut onto his left and, and whip it into the, the far corner. Mm. And yeah. the, keeper, the keeper showed him that pretty much the entire side of that goal. And the defender as well. The defender kept kind of wandering towards Bobby as well. Yeah. Um, just trying to paranoid about the pass. Which, in a way, I mean, you're putting Firmino... Like, that pass 
once he got closer to the box, it was actually a ha- too much too hard a pass to make. I feel, you know, to get the the pace right. Yeah, he was moving. He's yeah. moving quite quick as well, wasn't he at the time? Yeah, I mean, he picked it up what thirty yards from his own goal, um, and carried it all the way through. So just yeah. just a great goal. You I mean if any any other team score that goal, regardless, you know you're 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 loving it and the loving's lasting. For a good few weeks about it, mm, and that's it. And as like like we were saying last week, I think if Salah hadn't been in such a bad run of form, he probably would have made the pass. Yeah, especially with like the front three's relationship we've seen last season. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were all in form, they were they were passing chances they probably shouldn't have passed mm-hmm. at times. Um, and this season, I, I as I say, I can't remember which one of you mentioned it. He, he, he was turning into Harry Kane with the. Shooting at every opportunity he got, you know, the frustration just seemed to grow and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was the 50th Premier League goals, and I always hate it when my strikers and players are on like milestone marks like that because you just feel they try too hard to get the record out of the way, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say, but it was, it was a decent performance. I say, uh, Jordan Henderson tapped in the, the third uh, with um, what was described as a good old fashioned run into the box uh, by Sky. Um, not that many talking points really. Uh, I thought I wrote Firmino was outstanding. Um, he's one of those players that when he's not scoring, sometimes doesn't get the plaudits. But watching him, he he was fantastic in in that game. Um, do we think Salah was offside for the first? If he is, he's like it's millimeters, isn't it? It's, if VAR comes in, I mean he's offside. He he was offside, mm-hmm. but he, we we can't really criticize the. The assistant for that one. Um, that's one you'd like. But then somebody said in the Sky team that VR wouldn't looked at that because I, there's more no play that follows and uh, it doesn't directly affect the goal or something. I was going to say because there was a lot of play after it, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, I think otherwise you'd end up going back, you know, possibly up yeah. to a minute like when the ball was still in play. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be even like a throw in down the other end, which had been given the wrong way. They could go back and review that. But I think it's got to be the direct. But a bit yeah. yeah. I say Klopp, which bought, I suppose makes common sense in a little bit. Yeah, I say Klopp brought in uh, Naby Keita and Fabinho to start in place of Milner and Henderson. Um, a few puzzled faces uh, pre kick uh, pre kick off for that one. Uh, Keita apparently um, he's on his way out of Anfield. What do you think about that, Ali? Um, I, I want to say I don't buy it, but in my Liverpool WhatsApp group, I've been saying that. I wouldn't be surprised by it for the, the lack of game time he's got this year ahead of players like Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not getting regular starting time for them and ahead of them, you probably have to question your career long term. Mm. Um, but I thought he was good mm-hmm. on Friday. Um, he grew in. In the first 20 minutes, he was really sloppy. But, I mean, for me, Wijnaldum's terrible. He's just a ghost. He has really good games, but the rest of the time he's anonymous. Um, and it's just frustrating. So Fabinho was kind of carrying that midfield on his own a little bit. Um, but I thought he grew into the game really well, and obviously getting the goal should have won a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a positive half, whether he leaves or not. I just don't see it. I think we've spent too much money on him. Mm-hmm. We invested that, and we bought him early as well. Yeah, yeah. Remember. We bought him six think, months early. I think it'd be mad to, to give up on him after one season. There's plenty of players who, you know, maybe haven't adapted in their first season in the Premier League and then come back the second year are, are far better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Firmino was one of them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Firmino didn't do much uh, when he first came. Don't get me wrong, he was playing, and Rodgers played him at right back at some games. <laughs> but, 
you know, it just some it just takes a while to settle. You know, a new league, new players around you. I mean, I think he's only probably got Manny that speaks his language. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but just yeah, just the Premier League's a hard league to settle into because you're not getting kind of the same style of football every week, you know, so you can settle in properly. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he has to stay another season. We all see his talent for the you know the couple of year before it mm-hmm. at Leipzig, so give him another year and see how it goes. I thought that's it. He's still fairly young, and you've got yeah. the looks at you know James Milner. Is he going to be there next season? You know, you know, if Liverpool do go on and win the title, or even if they finish second, uh, I imagine there'll still be um, a few additions in the summer and stuff like that. You know, and and the way that squad's shaping up, are you you Milners, your Hendersons, you know, your Lovrens, that sort of player? Are they going to be players that they're going to keep around? You know, if if they invest in that squad and want to take it to the next level, you know, yeah, does Milner stay and does Jordan Henderson even get in the team? <sighs> I think Milner's career at Liverpool all depends on Leeds getting promoted. Um, I really do see him doing like a year at Leeds to finish his career, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I'm not sure where else he would go, big wages and things like that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players like on the fringe and on the outgoing. So we need players who are on long-term contracts with young and ability, like your Caters and you know some of the young ones coming through because there will be additions and we we need a bigger squad. Even with the we're, we're doing so well to challenge City squad just now, but we really do need some quality in the squad to to maintain it. Mm-hmm. If Milner goes, we'll need a new backup right back, left back, centre mid, <laughs> goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is the twenty sixth time that the Premier League uh, f- uh, first place has changed hands this season. Uh, in I think it's probably the most ever. It, you know, I don't remember a, a title race like this in a long time, and. And dare I say it, Friday night's game. Now, I've, I've watched a few Liverpool games in the last few weeks, uh, obviously for doing this, but Friday night's game seemed like one of those pivotal games in a championship, if you know what I mean. There was just something about it. It reminded me a lot of um, Man United in the the mid-90s, where the, not just this week, but over the last few weeks, where Liverpool keep finding ways to win mm-hmm. fairly late on in games. It's very... Fergie-esque. We're not quite at the stage of 95th minute free kicks and things, but it's it's heading on that way, isn't it? That's no, it. We're, get, we're getting 93rd minute goalkeepers thrown in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. offside decisions going your way, yeah, yeah. goalkeepers making mistakes. But... We've only had 32 weeks of it, don't worry. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's strange, you know, there's been accusations that Manchester City will come on to shortly um, being in autopilot at the moment, and, and you know, and, and Liverpool okay, they haven't played great, you know, their games, the game against Fulham the other week, a prime example of that, but they're winning games, you know, they they have lost one game all season, um, you know, it it's starting to come together, and, you know, I think the next, what, six games to go now? Yeah, yeah six really games to go, four That's at home, two away. Liverpool only have five games to go, but, five. The, yeah. but the, the problem is, you could win all five of them and not win the title, but... Yeah. Uh, as I said weeks ago, I cannot see Man City winning all their remaining six with what's the, going on. The next two weeks, I mean, I've probably said this a few times when we talk about games, but the next two weeks is very crucial. That's uh, City's pile up of fixtures and the, the intensity in the fixtures are, if they get through that, you know, you've got to just take your hands off, hats off to them and say, you know, well done, because I think they've got Spurs three times, they've got Palace and they've got United. Mm-hmm. Two, in two weeks um, I mean Spurs kind of 
uh, not Spurs, Crystal Palace and City. It's a game Palace can enjoy. You know, they're quite good at getting on the counter attack at times. Um, there's no way they're going to. Surely they're going to beat Spurs three times out of three. Um, it'll all depend on which one they actually drop in. And the the Champions League, I still feel, is City's most important competition. Um, although they won't admit it, they'll always say they're battling in all four. But if you're looking at got to rest certain players like an Aguero or a Fernandinho type player um, in a certain game just because they're struggling, you feel they'll pick the league game over the two Champions League games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. And that's where it's going to be the most important. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, none of the other big boys in the Premier League were in action on Saturday. Uh, so it was kind of a lot of dead rubber games, really. Um, Bournemouth, we'll go match of the day order, shall we? Uh, Bournemouth at home to Burnley. Um, Burnley coming away for a 3-1 win. Ashley Barnes scoring at both ends. Um Bournemouth's form, though, has been terrible recently. You know, we, we spoke about them a few times during the season, uh, having, you know, dips and stuff like that. But I didn't realise they've only won once in the last nine games. It's been atrocious. I mean, you say, like, one, one win in nine games, that's pretty much a quarter of a season. Like, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Um, I think they might be in a, bit, in a bit of trouble next season. I think quite often you see a team who struggles towards the end of one season. It's, it's quite a hard route to get out of going into the following season. Um the problem is they'll, they'll, they probably will be able to throw money at it because of how they're backed but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it can't go on forever really I think they are fundamentally not a Premier League club structurally um, I know they've been there what for three or four seasons now but no one would probably class them as a, as a Premier League club in other than the fact that they've had a lot of money invested in them yeah I still find it weird that their ground holds less than 11,000 people well, exactly. Yeah, you know, they've, they've, um, they've put money into a new training ground this this last month or so, and apparently it's it's better than their actual stadium. <laughs> well, it would still be worse, wouldn't it, really? But, <laughs> but it, 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 if someone like Wilson or Ake leaves in the summer, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they'll be able to track players who are better than that, to but, be quite honest. That's the thing. There's, there's talk that um, Ryan Frazier going to Arsenal... Who who's been quite good for them the last couple of seasons? Yeah, uh, Begovic has been pretty dependable. La- this week he was terrible. Last week he what he made a mistake that cost them the game as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was really strange. They've lost Charlie Daniels for the next six months, who's basically been an ever present for years now. Well, you would say they've had a bit of bad fortune with injuries. Cause I think Francis uh, Smith now Daniels. Uh, Steve Cook's out at the minute as well. They've all had fairly long-term injuries. They get a lot of long-term injuries, I don't know, Bournemouth. I don't, I don't know if it's... I don't know, it just seems they seem to get more than most other clubs. You know, Wilson's had a couple of long-term mm-hmm. years. Uh, Mears had two in quick succession as well. You know, it, you know, it's it's quite common to hear of a Bournemouth player out for a long period of time. That's true, actually. I don't know if there's any anything to do with their style of player, whether it's just bad fortune, but... Uh, I don't know, I'm just a bit bored of Eddie Howe and the whole little old Bournemouth thing and alright they were good at the start of the season but they've been turbo shit for as you say 9 or 10 games now so fuck them see you later <laughs> uh, so interest- interestingly this game was between the two the Premier League's two longest serving managers um, and uh, the other interesting fact is that Sean Dyche actually succeeded Eddie Howe when he left Burnley and went back to Bournemouth for his second stint 
Um, but yeah, it shows it's a, real, it's a real advert for longevity, isn't it? It's, <laughs> I know, it's yeah. 13th against 14, whatever it was before yeah. kickoff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I say, but talking about Burnley, Burnley looked a very different Burnley side to what we've seen um, in recent weeks. You know, they had their trouble uh, coming into the new year. Uh, obviously, they hit a bit of run of form and then lost to Newcastle and then seemed to drop off again. But they actually looked pretty good against Bournemouth. I'm not, I don't know if that's because Bournemouth weren't great. I mean, the, the, Bournemouth gifted them two of the three goals, possibly even three, really. But that, that Mepham or Mepham, however you say it, who they signed from Brentford for something like twelve million, he, he had a shitter as well. Him and Begovic between them were uh, may as well have just worn Burnley shirts. Would have been easier <laughs> for them. Um, it might just be an off day, but they, they just didn't seem at it at all. Um, I saw a lot of people saying Bournemouth already on the beach, which I guess they could be. <laughs> Um, they're not going to go down, but uh, they'll be very, very disappointed considering where they were in November, mm-hmm. December kind of time to now. Yeah, there, there was apparently there were, there were there were boos at the Vitality as well, which you know, a, a club in Bournemouth's position, they, they they're they're a Premier League club in name, basically. You know, they've mm-hmm. done, they've done very well to stay there, as you as you say and stuff. You know, but. For the fans to be booing them when I don't know where they are in the league, I haven't got the league table in front of me, but I don't, I don't imagine they're any lower than 12th, 13th. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they, they've been as high as, as what, 6th, 7th this season. Um, for the fans to boo is a little strange, but as I say, Dave said he's fed up with um, Eddie Howe and the little old Bournemouth story. Are the fans starting to? Well, the to thing do? is, they've spent a fortune. Like, I, I know the little old Bournemouth, but if you look at like Lerma, <laughs> who gets booked every week, he costs them. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. Uh, Rico, the left back who doesn't play, he cost them a fortune. Mebham, twelve mil. Ake, twenty-five mil. I think it was, or yeah. something like that. Um, obviously, Begovic is throwing them in left, right, and centre. Um, and Brooks was twelve mil. Uh, it's not like it's a team built on a shoestring that's uh, that's overperforming. I think it's now at the point where they spent more than a lot of teams in that mid-table section. I would say mm-hmm. certainly more than say Palace, who all right, the Palace have got individual players, but they haven't spent fortunes to get where they are. Yeah. Bournemouth have, and they haven't won in, what was it, well, they've won one in nine, ten, did you say? Yeah, one in nine, which is, yeah. you know, uh, worse form than a lot of teams below them. You know, take, yeah. you take you take the locks of Huddersfield and Fulham out of the equation, uh, and one win in nine is, is, is relegation form, really. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've never really condone booing your own team, but maybe they've just reached that point where They've now spent so much, they're right to expect more. But uh, I don't think Bournemouth are ever going to be able to sustain a you know a top ten position. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Burnley put safe now. Do we reckon? I've just got the table up and they're they're in fourteenth. Uh, 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 one, I mean, one point ahead of Newcastle. Yeah, I think Burnley will be absolutely fine now, unfortunately. But they've got Cardiff next week. Um, if Cardiff win that, that would upset a lot of people, mainly me. But um, <laughs> that would kind of reopen the, the scrap a bit. But uh, I think if Burnley win that, that should be all right. So they've won their last two games, Burnley. And to be fair, they, they looked pretty good yesterday. Um, so uh, they've got that, um, what was it, Dwight McNeil? He looks better every, yeah. every week. He, he, look, yeah, he, yeah. Look, he looks pretty good, to be fair. In, in a in an in a team that isn't renowned for its attacking prowess, you know he he looks pretty interesting. 
As a, as a winger at Burnley, though, you've got two great targets, Wood and, uh, and Barnes. I mean, they're not, you know, best oh, footballers okay. around. If, but... if, you, if you can get a ball into the six-yard box, you're going to get a few assists. Uh, I guess, to be fair to them, too, they just scrap everything, um, which is what you need when you're down there. So, so fair play to them for, for sticking with the two up front as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, on to one of these other games then, Dave. Your, your time to shine. Uh, mm. Newcastle at home to Crystal Palace. Um Oh God, I don't know what to say about this one. Newcastle didn't look terrible, um, but lo- uh, lost to uh, the most efficient penalty taker in the world. Well, that's it. I never thought we were going to lose this game. Like second half in particular, I don't think Palace really had a shot. Um, they had a kind of half chance when Benteke kind of kicked it himself. <laughs> uh, but it was mostly us trying to probe, trying to find chances. Rondon had a few half mm-hmm. chances in the first half. We had one disallowed for offside, and rightly so. So did they. Um, we were just starting to build up a bit of a bit of momentum, really, to uh, to go for the win. Uh, Lejeune got a big injury, which doesn't look good. Um, he's just come back from a big injury, which he got in the summer. He came back in January. He's looked brilliant. He's really been part of our turnaround. Um, it looks like it's it's the other knee this time, but it looks bad by this by all accounts. So that's a huge shame. And from that moment on, really, we weren't the same the same team. Um, it's never nice when you see like a lot of players looking at the injury and kind of putting their hands on their head. So this obviously wasn't good to look at either. Um, I just hope he's not out for a long time because he's a, he's a very good centre-half, but mm-hmm. he's obviously quite popular among the dressing room as well because there's a lot of the lads uh, crowded around him when he was down. Yeah. Was it Yedlin um, who came on for him? No, Yedlin's always on. Oh, um, OK. I wasn't sure if he'd started or not. No, um, Paul Dummett came on for Lejeune, but... With Yedlin, like if he if he didn't have pace, he wouldn't be a footballer. Like he, he is, <laughs> he's not particularly good, but his pace gets him out of trouble a lot of the time, and he just put in a total brain dead tackle on Zaha. Yeah, there was just no shocking. no need to do it. Um, and that's that's kind of where we are. Like we've got a lot of decent players, but we've also got some some idiots. So like players who yeah, Yedlin's got searing pace, but he can't defend, and he's a right back. So it's it, it's going to happen at certain times in the season. Um, I would love to see us sign a, a good right back or right wing back, whatever you want to call it, for, for next season. But I'm not even sure who the manager's going to be at this point. The fact that we're still not safe or even well, we're close to being safe, but you know it's seven points between us and Cardiff. They've got a game in hand. Um, we've seen with Burnley winning two games in a week. If Cards do the same thing, it's going to get a bit edgy. I was going to say, yeah, I say. It- so Newcastle didn't look that bad when it, from from the highlights. I say Rondon looked a handful, um, you know, which he he always is. Uh, he, you know, he, he he spoke that he wants to stay as well, hasn't he? Um, yeah, but unfortunately, it costs money, and that's uh, it's, it's a big no-no from from Big Mike. So yeah. uh, the one thing in our advantage is if West Brom don't come up, which looks less likely by the week at the minute. Um, I do wonder if we'll just offer them Dwight Gale in exchange, and that'll be that. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, sorry, some match of the day. Uh, so Crystal Palace have had the most penalties in the league this season. Uh, mm-hmm. So in eleven, uh, Miljojevic has taken all of them. Uh, only missed one. Um, he accounts for thirteen percent of all successful penalties in the league this season. I think I saw a thing where um, Zaha has. Assisted Milivojevic goals, but never actually passed to him. Yeah. 
Or was just him being fouled, and then, <laughs> which is ridiculous. I mean, I was trying to think yesterday. They've had ten penalties this season. How many seasons of Premier League football have to go back for us to have ten penalties, like cumulatively? Uh, and I think it's probably four or five. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of penalties, and they asked um, Milivay, I can't say his name, asked him about it in, in the interview, and um, he said, "Oh, when you've got players like you know Zaha and Townsend and that lot, the way they play and they're tricky and stuff, they're always going to win penalties." Which is a point, you know, because uh, you know Zaha falls over as soon as you sneeze on him. Um, in this game, though, the, the yelling tackle, there, there was no questions there, really. No, there wasn't. It'll be interesting next season with, with VAR if. if... If they get more or less pens, because obviously a lot of these Zaha dives will be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, d- I guarantee they'll get less. You know, uh, the one <laughs> the one against us this season was was a blatant dive. Yeah, it was. You know, Zaha, Zaha got um, abused on Twitter, didn't he? Uh, after the game, I, I imagine that's why angry Newcastle fans. Yeah, by the sound of things, the whole racism thing's not getting any better anytime soon. Um, <laughs> it's it's really sad to see, yeah. but. Uh, you can't, it's absolutely no defence for it, and I'm, I've no doubt that there's other instances that haven't been flagged up, but yeah. uh, it's happening far too often. I say, but you were at the game yesterday, weren't you, Dave? Yeah, I've, I've got a season ticket, so I've to suffer through this yeah. shit every week. So, <laughs> seeing Zaha, uh, he, did he play any central role yesterday? Uh, he's basically got a free role, mm-hmm. yeah. They, um, they played Townsend to the right and Schlupp to the left, and he just kind of fannies around. But yeah. he, he was absolutely anonymous for the, pretty much the whole game. But he's only in the team to win penalties. Like, mm-hmm. let's say Palace as an attacking unit was non-existent for most of the second half and a lot of the first half as well, than the the odd flurry they had here and there. Mm. Um, but as the game opened up, like that's Palace's time to, to shine. That they are very, a very good counter-attacking team, and teams like us kind of need to win our home game. So when it's nil-nil after 70, 80 minutes, we're starting to commit more and more men forward, and that's that's where he and Palace get a lot of their joy. Because I, uh, I saw how last week against Huddersfield played in the, in the middle, didn't he? He looked very good, but you know this is Huddersfield we're talking about. But I said, um, do you think Palace can afford to lose him? And do you, you know we're at that time of the season now; it's the season coming to end. Uh, talk of players going and stuff. And do you think he'd ever leave again after what happened at Man United? I think he'd be there forever. I think he 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 likes being the the main man, and I think it was very apparent when he went elsewhere that he. Uh, he wasn't going to be mm-hmm. that, that, given that the same freedom he's given at Crystal Palace, where he can pretty much do what he wants. Yeah, so I, I, I'm not totally sure he'd go anywhere, and that's the thing. If 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 Palace were to lose him, they they'd want an awful lot of money, you know. But yeah, and it'd be interesting to see Palace without him. I think we spoke a few weeks ago how you know potentially Palace could actually be better off without him. It's kind of similar to Bournemouth, where I don't think they could buy anybody who is of equal or better ability than him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the money, all right, you could buy two or three players and strengthen, I don't know, centre-half or whatever else you think Palace are missing. Um, but they wouldn't be as good an attacking unit without them, I don't think. Uh, on to the last of Saturday's games then, uh, Huddersfield at home to Leicester. Um, there wasn't really much to talk about this game. Um Huddersfield uh, got up there, well, talking about teams who get a lot of penalties, uh, Huddersfield got a penalty that Aaron Moy described as rare, um, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Um, it was, yeah, um, the one thing, and I hate to say this, is Leicester looked pretty good, and 
Tillman scored and it was hit a bit of form. Vardy has gonna have scored six in six since Pure left. Uh, and James Madison looked fantastic, he scored an, another free kick. Is this the is this the sort of team that Brendan Rogers can make look really, really good with that youth in it? Well all the signs so far would suggest it is. Um it's a bit of a shame for people like Hamza Chowdhury who was doing quite well um mm. under Puel, but he hasn't really had a kick yet. But um, as you say, Taylor's and Madison with Ndidi is not in that sort of anger rule. It's it's a pretty solid midfield three to be honest. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's not going to be met, met any better around outside the top six than that. Um, I actually think Leicester will go on to finish seventh now, um, mainly because I think today's result will derail Wolves a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's a real kick in the in the sack, isn't it? And uh, and Watford are going to have one eye on the cup final. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leicester are just in, in great form, as you yeah, say. four wins in a row now. And they've got us next, so I'll be five, so... <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, but I say, uh, Yuri Tillmans, who, uh, you know, signed for Monaco for a lot of money not that long ago, he's on loan there at the moment. Um, do you think Leicester could keep him if they wanted to? Well, they seem to have deep pockets, don't they? Um, not just with the TV money, but even before that, they seem uh, quite willing to spend. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to cost 30, 40 million. Do you think? Yeah, you, are, you could be talking more than that. He's only like 21, 22 as well, isn't is he? Is he really that young, is he? Yeah, he's really uh, young. I mean, I think he's he's fantastic. Like He's, he's fit in the league mm. straight away. Um, I know we were talking about Kate earlier, who's taking a bit of time to adapt, but um, Taylorman's has just fit like a, like a glove, hasn't it? Like it's, he's come in and he's... Uh, He's hit the ground running from pretty much the first game. Yeah, I think the only thing they've got going for them in this instance, Leicester, is that I think Monaco are going to be relegated from Ligue 1. Um, I don't really watch much of the the, the the French football, but obviously I know when Henri was there, it was a disaster and stuff. So if they get, I saw that there's been a bit of a comeback, hasn't there? I don't know if that. I don't know. I say if, if they get relegated, you know, maybe they think, okay, we'll either sell him or we'll loan him out again uh, in the hope that we get promoted. And then we can, you know, because they say they paid quite a lot of money for when they signed him from uh, Belgium uh, not that long ago. But I say this more youthful Leicester that, you know, okay, again, we could be getting carried away because it's Huddersfield they were playing. Um, but they look pretty good. They bought in the uh, the young Turkish uh, centre-back, uh, whose name I won't even begin to attempt to pronounce. I think on Match of the Day they pronounced it four different ways. <laughs> um, but he looked pretty oh, yeah. lively. You know, Arsenal were linked with him and there was talk of him being kicked out of the club at the end of the season by Puel. But Rogers, way, Rogers has brought him in. He gave away the pen, didn't he? He did Although give away the pen. It, was, uh, it, was, it, was it wasn't really his fault. Like I think he was badly wrong-footed by the pass, wasn't mm-hmm. he? And then he tried to correct it. But um, it's nice to see players that spend a lot of money on actually getting games. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a lot to ask, is it? <laughs> well, that's it. You know, and, you know... Leicester, when that team won the title, we were talking earlier on in the season about some of them players. It's coming to the end of their contracts. You know, you 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 know, you Vardy. Okay, he's hit a good run of form. He's not getting any younger. Osasaki's, you know, probably about a hundred years old. Um, uh, Morgan, Johnny Evans, you know, and you like, you know, how long are they going to be, you know, be at the, the club? But then you look at the young players. You Madisons, you Demari Grays, you Tillmans. You indeed, he's only like twenty-two. Um, you know, there's a lot of youth there that, you know, and Brendan Rodgers does a favour in attacking style of football. You know, could he, you know, he could really transform that Leicester team. I'd hate it because he'd be smug as fuck about it. Um, but oh, yeah, no doubt about it. It could, it could be quite interesting, <laughs> you know, considering this is a Leicester team that have sacked their manager this season and they're seventh in the league now, practically knocking on the door of European competition next season. 
Well, I think they've got every chance of uh, finishing seventh. Um, looking at their running, I mean, they've got to play Arsenal um, and Man City away, and they finish home to Chelsea. So, you know, maybe their last two games will 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 cost them. But uh, in the form they're in, you you can see them cause a lot of teams problems. And yeah. because of Vardy's pace and things, they're actually not that much less of a threat away from home. If you know what I mean, like because the more teams commit against them, the better he is, really. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 been an interesting time for Leicester. I think uh, yeah. that race for seventh might be quite interesting as the the season comes to, to a close. Yeah, the only other notes I've got from this game really are for the pen for Vardy's penalty. Uh, so he, he ruffled Hammer's hair after he scored, didn't he? Ex teammate, so maximum shithead points there for Jamie Vardy. Um, but for the foul, did you see how fast that Huddersfield defender got across? It was a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's the it's the lad they've got on loan from Germany, isn't it? Um, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he he the pace he had, like Jesus Christ, he'd have took he'd have took out anybody. Um, you see, um, mentioned Ben Hamer there, mm-hmm. who was in goal for Leicester. Uh, for, um, Huddersfield, he must have the worst record of games played the goals conceded. Like, <laughs> not just for Huddersfield, because obviously if you play for Huddersfield, you're going to concede goals. But I'm sure when he was at Leicester last season or whenever it was, he, didn't he ship didn't he ship five to Palace or something? Possibly. On his odd, Poss- on his odd possibly, appearance, yeah. I just feel like every time he plays, they take they get absolutely hammered. Well, I say Leicester only signed him, didn't they? Because he's classed as homegrown. Oh right, yeah, okay. he's classed as homegrown because I think he was at he was at some he was he he come through an academy in the Premier League. I can't remember who it was for. Uh, it might even be like Man United or someone like that. Uh, so they signed him to help with the homegrown rule in Europe for their season in Europe. And obviously, oh, yes. when they weren't in Europe the next season, it was like, well, you can get lost. Um, the only other thing I got noted was the uh, the uh, young American girl who was uh, guest of honour at Huddersfield yesterday. Oh, yes. Yep. So I dread to think what she thought about Huddersfield when she got off the plane. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a really nice story. So I believe she's got some type of form of cancer. Uh, so obviously she has like chemotherapy and stuff. So she, she had like, well, she had very little hair. And she, um, during the World Cup, saw Aaron Moy playing for Australia. Uh, and she saw that he was bald like she was and decided that he was her favourite player. Uh, and as a result, now she's a Huddersfield fan. And the, cl- the club obviously flew her over to meet him and, and stuff, which I thought was a really nice gesture. Yeah, Huddersfield seemed quite a good club for doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Ross won't thank us for saying it, but uh, <laughs> I, I think Huddersfield are a good community club, just a sh- shame there. Shit at football. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay, on to, well, I was going to say on to Saturday's games. There was only one Premier League game. To the th- oh, Ali can't wait, can he? Um, so, Everton played Arsenal. Uh, Everton's resurgence in form. They were, to be fair, I saw this one come in. Everton were really good last week against West Ham and were shit away. Um, <laughs> Phil Jagielka, who wasn't even supposed to be fucking playing... Uh, only got in the team just minutes before kickoff because Michael Keane came down ill. Uh, taps away a tenth minute goal, and yeah, Arsenal just can't get a win. Well, can't keep a clean sheet away from home. And to be fair, we we did not look that good. And all credit to Everton. Yes, they were really good against West Ham last week, playing the attacking Queenbacks game. This week they were good for a different reason. They were physical. Uh, they. Gave Arsenal no no inch at all. They were all over them. Uh, Lacazette probably will, would rather face Anthony Joshua next weekend <laughs> than the Everton fucking defence. It, it, they absolutely battered him. 
he did get battered. I felt bad for him as well when you see that one in the second half where he uh, he flicked the ball around the corner, got absolutely pagged by Zuma and was flagged offside. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. He got took out in the first like first couple of minutes. As yeah. Well, as well, I wasn't sure he was going to stay. Uh, so, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a very good game as an Arsenal fan. Obviously, uh, Meza Özil started his first away game since Boxing Day. Um, did he? Did he? Was he playing? Yeah, he was there. Oh. Um, yeah, Mikatarian started as well, which was really strange. I was going to ask you about this. How did he play ninety minutes? Like, I, I have no I was, idea. I was amazed he came out for the second half. Let alone play the entire match. Like he was unbelievably shit. Like he, he has been quite a lot, <laughs> to be fair. This season, um, I don't know. At half time, when I saw Aaron Ramsey warming up, I thought, okay, Ramsey, Ramsey's going to come on. They're going to take off Mikatarian. Job done. And they took off Kalasinak. And I was like, what? Yeah, and even the commentators were like, you know, Mikatarian was going off. Oh no, he's not. Yeah, I say it, 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 there was some strange choices. I can understand it. We got Napoli midweek. Um, because yeah, El Neni came in as well, but yeah, we we didn't look at it at all. To be fair, we looked much better in the second half, but Everton were the better team by by a long shot. If they had a striker, they'd have murdered us. Mm, I was impressed with Everton. I know if you don't want to hear it, but uh, considering how bad they were a month ago mm-hmm. when we turned them over, um, since then they've been unbelievable. They beat Chelsea. They could have hammered West Ham, no pun intended. Like they could have put five or six past them and yep. couldn't have complained. And they could have done uh, ten to us today. Yeah, today it was it was a bit like an old Wenger away performance from from yourselves, where the slightest bit of physicality and that's it. Like the game was was up. Um, I don't know how much you can how much of that you can put it at Emery's door because you know you can't suddenly make your players more physical. But um, the likes of Ozil and Mkhitaryan. Um, they were just not involved in the game at all. Aubameyang, when he came on, did he touch the ball? Oh, I'd say I don't really remember much about the game. It, it, no. just, it just kind of came and went this game. You know, I remember Everton mm. having a few chances. Uh, I remember Socrates getting booked so he can't play our next two league games. But yeah, it, it wasn't an entertaining game at all. I mean, as, as a neutral, it, I've seen far worse games because it was fairly end-to-end, but you know, nothing concrete really at either side but um, what's your take on uh, it seems to be Lacazette or Aubameyang I know we've touched on this a few times over the season I thought he kind of cracked this by switching to five at the back and playing both of them mm-hmm. um, but now it seems to be back to one or the other it, it depends on the. I can see what he's doing because it, it does depend on the opposition uh, and stuff like that you know and Aubameyang, Aubameyang can't play through the middle on his own um, so playing him out wide is all right. I was surprised to see Mkhitaryan come in. Uh, I'd have been more understanding if Iwobi had started and Lacazette mm. hadn't, because you know Iwobi's been all right in the last few weeks. You know he's had quite a good season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not too sure. You know, Abamyang can struggle to affect games sometimes, yeah. uh, depending on the opposition. You know, um, and Everton have got a lack of pace at the back. I think had they known that Jagielka was starting. Maybe a Bamayang would have come in, um, mm. but I say against against Zuma and Keane, you know Keane Keane's quite good at covering. You know Zuma's a big defender. Coleman's got a bit of pace about him, um, but I don't know. Personally, if I was the manager, I would have started a Bamayang on the right because Digne likes to get forward, and yeah. he's not the best at getting back. You know, so we we could have probably caused them some problems there. But I think they imagined that Ertzel and Mkhitaryan would be able to do enough with like the 
killer cutting passes in, in inside and and stuff. But yeah, knowing that Phil, fucking thirty six year old Phil Jagielka gets gets out of his out of the stands and comes on and scores the winner is it, quite depressing. And it wasn't even like a, a header or anything, was it? It was literally just a tapping. Well, it came from a long throw. The ghost of Big Sam carries on, doesn't it? So. Yeah. And that's it. And we've been really good at set pieces this season. You know, we, we've conceded the least goals in the league from set pieces this season. Which, as an Arsenal fan, you would a year ago you'd you'd have laughed that stat out, of the, <laughs> out, out fucking out of play. But yeah, it, it's just that it's that one Arsenal performance that comes. Unfortunately, when there's a good run, and we we've been abysmal away from home at times this season. You know, we are a completely different team away from home, and I. I don't quite understand it sometimes because the way we set the team up doesn't look that different to at home. So we need to, you know, to do something about that. But I'm just not sure what the answer is. It's definitely not playing fucking Mkhitaryan and Ertz all No, but you've got a big week because uh, that Napoli game, mm-hmm. the Europa League is going to be possibly a potential safety net for you. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a safety net for somebody because I can't see you and Chelsea getting in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um... And then you get to go to Watford on the Monday night, but I mean, I imagine they'll be on the piss for the next week. So, I hope so. Yeah, uh, it should be alright. That's it. So our, our remaining fixtures. I, I know we don't play on a Saturday for the rest of the season now. I, I think, it, uh, yeah, we, I think we talked about this last week. But I think we got like Watford, Palace, you know, teams like that. Uh, I'm sure we play Wolves towards the end of the season as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's so, a Wednesday Wednesday night game for Wolves. Yeah. So, yeah, but we, we've got quite a few away games uh, to come. So, no clean sheets away from home this season. It's ridiculous, isn't it? We've got the, the, is. worst, the, the worst away defensive record in the league or something stupid. Like I'm sure it is. And Fulham must be worse than yourself, surely. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think so, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I say I'm trying to think of, of positives I can take from that game, but it, it, it's it, as I said, it's it's that one Arsenal performance that that just comes. No matter what the momentum's like, it just comes from uh, you know, and we get we get a slap in, and you know, thankfully it was only. Weirdly, I've written down that Arsenal won one nil. That's not the fuck. <laughs> just Wishful thinking. My notes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's one of them. But Everton, look, you know. There's been talk this week they're going to stick with Marco Silva, uh, give that stability. Uh, I think he's called for it as well, uh, but he's been given. It looks like he's been given that back in, and, and Everton look like they could have turned a corner. Yeah, I say the last three three weeks have been uh, outstanding. Really, mm-hmm. um, they are very much in the race for seventh. Where with Leicester, Wolves, Watford. Um, as you said earlier, though, they're, they're just missing a striker. I know Calvert Lewin. Got man the match today for some odd reason, but yeah, uh, I didn't even notice he was playing. <laughs> he's a pest, I give him that, but he, he doesn't. I never feel like he's going to score. Like I feel if he does score, it's kind of a miracle rather than mm-hmm. inevitability. Um, but if they go out and buy a striker for 30, 40 million, whatever the going rate is, um, it's quite an impressive team they've got, really. Yeah. I say it does sound like they're going to keep the signings to a minimum in the summer because I saw an interview with Silva. Uh, before the game, and he was saying about the club hasn't had any stability. They've bought a lot of players in. You know, he, he was admitting that you know there's been a lot of turnover of players and that in the last few weeks and whatever. You know, so hopefully that's a sign that he's not then going to go and spend another hundred million pound on twelve players or what yeah. overhaul. But yeah, well, they don't they don't need to really. They don't. If you look at their squad, what what, what do you need? A, a centre forward. They've got yeah, a striker. That's it. Yes, the, the, the other problem, I suppose, is that Gomez is only on loan from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, did they sign Dini permanently? Uh, I no, I think he. Oh no, he he's he's permanent, isn't he? It's um. It's Mina on loan. Mina's on loan as well. Who's constantly injured? It seems apart from during the World Cup. Um, but yeah, uh, Gomez was pretty good today. He was very physical, which he is something he seems to. The earlier on in the season, he looked, you know, that classy ball playing midfielder, mm. uh, the Barcelona style midfielder. But looking at him now, he's the Premier League midfielder. He, yeah. you know, he's putting, you know, putting in challenges, you know, barging people around the ball. Uh, I'd be very surprised if someone doesn't have him in the Premier League this season. You know, there was, there was talk that we were interested in him in the summer. I'm not sure he's the sort of player we need now, maybe. Um, maybe for his more um, attacking threat that we saw at the beginning of the season, maybe to replace Ramsey. But if he stays at Everton, yeah, I think he'll be very good for them. Definitely, yeah. Any thoughts on the Arsenal game, Ali? It's one I find it hard to celebrate, as I said to you before. <laughs> I always like seeing Arsenal lose, but I can't, I can't celebrate an Everton win, ever. Um, but I have to agree with Dave. They have improved massively since, I'd say, they played... I think it was us just before they played you as well, Dave, yeah. where they were very lacklustre and had nothing about them. Um, and summed up perfectly, Calvert-Lewin, you know, when everybody says he's having a good game, it's usually because he's winning headers and knockdowns about 40 yards from goal. Doesn't seem to do anything like constructive with the ball near the goal. Um, but, I mean, if Everton are going to spend any sort of money in the summer, I think it's a spot on. Like, sign a, probably a, a good centre-half, like a younger one, because you keep, can't keep relying on like 54-year-old Jaggy Elka um, and sign a striker like like that Callum Wilson-esque um, and rather than spending a lot of money on loads of different players just start bringing in a little bit more quality um, even piece by piece and, and set positions because they now need specialists rather than just improving the squad mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right then, on to the FA Cup semi-finals then, as the, all the Premier League action's done and dealt with. Uh, Saturday evening saw Manchester City against Brighton. Uh, Man City rotate their squad slightly. Uh, Sergio Aguero decided uh, was decided not to not to even be in the squad. Uh, Gabriel Jesus came in for him. Uh, Benjamin Mendy made his one appearance every six months uh, during this game. I didn't see him go down with a knee injury, though, so there's a positive. Um, Man City coming away with a 1-0 win from an early goal from Jesus um, I only saw bits of this game to be fair I don't know what you guys thought it wasn't a great game in front of a barely well it's hard to say a barely full Wembley because there were still 70,000 people there but considering Man City are on for the quadruple and Brighton are in the FA Cup semi-final I know the way the FA divides tickets is, is very strange for FA Cup games and whatever but it's weird to see a not full stadium for something like this? Well, Man City didn't fill the allocation. Um, which, to be honest, I can kind of understand because they've obviously just been there for the Carabao Cup final. They must have been fairly confident they're going to be there again for the final, you would think. Um, you know, people's pockets aren't limitless. Um, even if even if the football clubs are, like the paying fan, if you're a Man City fan, you've got trip to Spurs' new stadium, which will probably cost you £4,000 or something, <laughs> um, coming up in midweek. Um, so that's another trip to London. You had to make the choice between the two, which one's it going to be? Well, I know which one I'll be going to. Um, and that's just kind of just the price of their success. Like, 
you've seen the atmosphere at the Atlanta Hard is not always particularly uh, it's pathetic yeah, yeah. It, it is so I, I'm not overly surprised they're not filling out their capacity f- uh, for a semi-final against Brighton if it had been a semi-final against you know a Man United or an Arsenal or you know a fairly big game it's probably more attractive but uh, I think they probably are quite complacent because they know they're going to beat the likes of Brighton nine times out of ten Probably more than that. Uh, Brighton gave it as good as they could, but other than the odd set piece, Flurry never really looked like causing any an upset. Um, but the biggest disgrace of all was the Walker VAR red card. Mm-hmm. Do you see this? Yes. Ali, have you seen this? As, I, as I've, Mr. Seen, I've seen the the incident. I didn't realise it went to VAR. I've just seen the, the Twitter like video clip. Yeah, so that's the most ludicrous thing of all, really, is that he throws his head into... Uh, is it Jahan Bash or whoever it yeah, is anyway? Yeah, Jahan Bash. Yeah. Uh, and it goes to VAR, and they still decide it's not a red card. Yeah, how? There's an obvious how head movement you, there. How can you come to that conclusion? Yeah. I mean, I don't care if there's been nitty gritty between them, winding each other up, whatever. If he gets caught on camera throwing his head into someone, if that happened and no one saw it and got reviewed after the game, he'd get a three-match ban. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how on earth you got away with that? Again, it just goes back to like VAR isn't going to solve everything. We still need to. I mean, I, we spoke about it when when Chris was away. Dave, like, referees need punishments and sanctions. They need to be um, sanctions for their actions. You know, they just they. What's the worst that happens to them? You know, they get reviewed, they get subpoenaed, and it doesn't happen again. But they're still refereeing top level games the next week. There needs to be some sort of Punishment, tears, um, whether it be monetary or dropping down levels. But then, do you really is that fair to drop them down a level and then you're getting that referee, you know, going to say then that referee then cost leads promotion from another mistake? Um, but th- there needs to be something coming in because there's no point bringing in VAR, which I firmly believe is going to be excellent and it's definitely going to help the game in general. But if you're still getting the referees making the same decisions, and then it's their then pride that's on the line when they're having to overturn their own decisions as well. It just... Well, it just seems like everyone else who's adopted this does it far better than we're currently doing with it. Um... Do you not think they're refereeing? Seems to be less controversial and more well, consistent I mean, that, than ours. That may or well be a lot because we watch it regularly in our league. Well, that may well be a lot to do with it. But um, if it was up to me right now, I would say right. Let's just use VAR next season for offsides and leave everything else alone because we can't get it right. I mean, we've seen some ridiculous things: turn overturned, fouls not fouls, dives not dives. It's all interpretation. Um, at least with offsides, it's black and white. Or at least it should yeah. be. I know they haven't covered themselves in glory with that at times, but uh, right now I don't think going to VAR, it's just another idiot who's making the decision instead of who saw it in the first place. Well, it adds more pressure onto the referee now as well, doesn't it? Because, I mean, if that, I didn't realize, as I say, I didn't realise that one had went to VAR, but it goes to VAR, he says, no, it's fine, carry on. Then he's just getting scrutinised even more. And referees seem to think, I don't believe they think they are, but they're made out by the Premier League and Sky coverage to be almost as high-profile as the players mm. at times. So it can't be good for them 
as a as a whole going through it all. I mean, look how famous Mark Clattenburg was. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, a referee. We shouldn't really know the referees. It shouldn't matter. You know, we shouldn't be looking. And I don't know if uh, you, like you guys do it as well, but you get certain referees refereeing your game, and you're just like, oh, no again. And, no, and that and, and that shouldn't happen. You know, we shouldn't. These guys and like they should be respected. And I, as I said, from doing it myself, I know how hard the job is. But I feel these guys just don't cover themselves in glory at all. And the VAR decisions that they have been making and the ones they go back to and, and do it incorrectly is just adding much more pressure, which is where I can see your point, Dave, of just let's just keep it to two offsides where the guys aren't really... It's then a review panel. I think it's only a review panel that does the offside one, where it's just not the referee that's making the decision, you know, so it's coming out of their hands. Yeah, did you did you guys see the use of VAR in the Wolves game? So we we won't move on to the Wolves game yet, um, but the the use of VAR in there baffled me a little bit because um, obviously there was the VAR decision uh, when Wolves went two 0 up, which kind of took a little bit of the uh, occasion out of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I, I did think at first glance it was going to be just louder than I saw. So many as foot was bizarrely far away from his other foot mm-hmm. which is playing everybody on side but I mean that's like obviously the risk is that it would, in a game like that where you could have a team celebrate going two nil up only for it to be chalked off mm. but then there but, were there were also a couple of instances where VAR reviews have just been announced like there was a there was a couple for um, I think there was uh, oh well I'm sure I wrote it down here um, there was, was one so- for Delafeu and someone had a bit of handbags. I think. Yeah, yeah. There, there was there were two. There were two in quick succession where they were they were looking at VAR for red cards, and like, okay, they were done really, really quickly, but it it just seemed a little unnecessary. Unnecessary, if you know what I mean. Well, it's kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't because the fact that they've announced it so people know why there's a delay. Mm. Um, that's probably a good thing because the one the, one of the main things that first came out of AR was that no one knew what was going on when yeah. it was being reviewed. Yeah, because they show so it all on the on the stadium screens now, don't they? Yeah, so I guess they're in, they're on the right lines doing that. But I don't know who decides if it's goes to review or not for those ones because I'm assuming the ref didn't see it in the first place, mm-hmm. therefore he can't make a decision on it. Um, so I don't know whether there's therefore someone watching in the room, wherever it is, and decide that let's just have a look at that again. But um, I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm just I'm just scared that football could become a little bit sterile as a result. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. Just you know, that's that's a major concern for me. Like um, say, like it was up to me. I'd say take the flags out of the linesman's hands, and it can be there as extra officials by all means, but. Just let all offsides be done by VAR, yeah. and if that means if that means we get five less loud goals a game, then so be it. But yeah. I'd rather spend the money on making our referees better. Yeah, because the standard of referee in this how much more money do you want to spend on them? This is the I think this is the problem with English football. We're one of the few countries who have full time referees, so they're getting paid thousands, um, hundreds of thousands a year. Because they're full-time officials. Yeah, but that's that's money being and put what, into that's being put put into their pockets. I mean, you know, put it put it into having some kind of structure where there's an actual. Okay, so I know they have a panel, but as you said, are there punishments for referees? You know, so occasionally a referee gets knocked down to the championship to referee a game, but you know, refer there should be an independent panel who are judging them and being like, look, you you are not 
hitting the you know you're not you're not making the grade off you go you know if you're being paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a year or whatever or whatever they earn you should be held to a higher standard I agree, and I think that's where. But if you do that as well as VAR, which is coming in inevitably, you're then getting. I mean, a, a really good referee having a really good game is still going to could still make a high profile mistake in a game. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, yeah, so yeah. we're still going to get this. We're still going to have the same discussions on a weekly basis because it's still going to happen. You know, it's just that's where the human nature comes in, and that's where then VAR can take out because mistakes do happen. Football players make them every week. You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. quick to jump on a referee, but footballers are probably making, you know, three, four a game. Um, and that's where if we can get both, but I would have liked to seen the, what you're saying first, Chris, you know, the improvement in that side of thing, because mm-hmm. there is no point bringing in VAR, why we still have incompetent referees, yeah. who I feel don't make, who don't know the, well, they know the laws of the game, but it's like they don't implement them on a consistent basis. So you, you can't have VAR working to the best of its ability, without having a good referee who's yeah. willing to swallow, even swallow their pride and accept that they got a decision wrong. Yeah. And that's that's my biggest fear out of decisions that they're making. Referees aren't wanting to say, oh, wait a minute, I got that wrong, and it's quite an obvious one I got wrong, um, and they don't want to go back on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I've never understood why the in this country we have to have referees from this country we, you know, there was there was talk years ago of um, oh, what's his name, the Italian, uh, the Italian geezer, Kalina, you know, who best referee in the world. We've apparently got the best league in the world, but we couldn't bring him over here, you know. Yet you've got leagues in other parts of the world where I say, okay, Clattenburg, who was probably one of the best referees, uh, as as much as it people don't seem to agree with that sometimes. Uh, he he got offered a deal to go and referee in another country. Uh, you know, and, and he got to go over there and raise the standard. Um, you know, he did a lot of work with the other referees. What? Why can't we do that? There are some very good referees that you see in like the World Cup. Um, you know, in in the Euros and in the Champions League and stuff like that. Why can't we uh, bring them over here to help us advance our game? You know, foreign <laughs> players have improved the Premier League in in the in the years that they've been playing over here. Why can't we have foreign officials come over here with new eyes and stuff like that? You know. We all know that when watching the Champions League, different decisions get made that wouldn't get made in the Premier League and whatever, but that could help help our referees be better. I would love to see Lee Mason make a high-profile error in like a Serie A clash. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't make it out of the stadium yeah, alive. That's it, yeah, send, send, send our referees abroad, bring their referees over here. You know. I really feel that's, a, that's the, the old guard, FA, xenophobic type, you know philosophy that only our proper English are mm-hmm. good enough for, for our you know official you know because everything's done through Wembley ref, you know, ref, well. yeah referees seem ridiculously protected isn't is David Ellery still in charge of officials mm, I don't think so anymore he's probably still some sort of consultant type role maybe you know what happened to, what happened to Mike Riley is he still involved he, he's still involved yeah he was part of that you know the Neville and Carragher Mm. Sky thing they did. He was all part of that, yeah. But, so, but even then, it's it's just referees who are retiring who are going into that. Yeah. So again, it doesn't help. Um, the assessors are former referees. Look at the pundits, like not pundits. Well, they are really that like the BT and Sky use. You know, they're just former referees. They're not mm-hmm. going to slate 
their own because they're still part they, of that they clique. Never will. You know, I, I don't want to see Graham Paul coming out on in a studio talking about terrible refereeing decisions because that's what he fucking did for a living. He made <laughs> terrible refereeing decisions, you know. I like your idea of bringing in other referees, you know, foreign referees. Mm-hmm. As you say, the players helped improve the standard of the league and improve the, the young English players. So why can't the referees? I mean, they've, done, they've brought over that young Australian gentleman, haven't they? Um, oh yes, he starts next season, doesn't he? He's next season, yeah. He was the fourth official at the... I wonder, was it a friendly? or? I can't remember. I remember he, hearing he was, about... he was a fourth official in one of the Liverpool games recently. Um, I don't know if it was a friendly we had or it was just a, you know, a league game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also like the, the mic'd up idea going along. Um well, that's it. They, they they can learn from other sports. You know, they don't have. You know, I know there's this. Oh, but we are football and whatever. But a referee can. It's kind of like being a manager in 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 your everyday work life outside of sport and whatever. If you're a manager of people, you can manage people regardless of what skill they have. So you could bring a referee in from to help with certain aspects of, of refereeing. Okay, they don't might not so you could bring say for example they bought a, a referee in from um from rugby, you know, the way that they talk to the players and stuff like that. They could help our referees with the way they control players. Obviously they're not gonna be able to help them with the interpretation of the rules and stuff like that. But they can help them with other skills to help them handle their games. Yeah, but they shouldn't need help. Well they shouldn't they, the rules, they, they, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, man, the man management is, is always good. And then, as you say, in everyday life, you know, you've got all these people who who come in and do, like, your customer, re, you know, customer uh, service, you know, little training days and things like that. So there's no reason referees and... I mean, players have to go through that, like media training days. Mm-hmm. There's no reason referees shouldn't get little ones like that. Understanding the laws of the game should just be the bare, bare minimum that they should actually be good at. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else, okay, you can learn. But I mean, if you're not, if you're not up to date with the rules, and 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 that goes for for me, anybody who's to do with a professional game should be a bare minimum qualified referee sort of thing. They should be made to do like a laws of the game test course yeah. sort of thing. Um, just so they're up to scratch for understanding, because the amount of pundits, media, I, I dare say managers and players, especially players, I mean, football players are absolute dum-dums 90% of the time. Mm. Um, they just they have no clue like what they're playing in, you know, the laws that they're playing in, and that's ridiculous. Could you imagine like a like a kickboxer or a boxer going in and not knowing the, the rules that they're going in, you know, such a, such a physical sport? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I say something needs to be done. I'm, I'm hoping that in the summer something changes, but I, I can't help but feel there'll just be a case of well, VAR will be here next season. That'll help with it, and I don't, I don't think it will. No, I don't think it will. I think uh, as was just summed up there, really, still the same bag of meat in the in the room watching the video, who's probably going to make the same wrong decision on the pitch had he been down there. So yeah. it's a worry. That's it's it. not that the thing is they're not they guys in the room aren't even making the decisions. That's the biggest problem. No, they just it's, it's it's the referees to go to go look at it and make the decision themselves. You know, unless it's clear and obvious, and the guys in the room will say, "Wait, wait a minute." But most of the time, it's, you might want to go and look at that. Well, uh, I'm assuming they're going to review every goal 
mm-hmm. regardless, and every penalty, I assume. Uh, I would have thought. Yeah, I think that'll be the main ones. Those those two offsides, obviously, um, and then it would just be like any. I don't see it being much like. I don't. I can't imagine they're going to use it for throw-ins or you know oh, fills no, in no. the middle of the pitch. It'll just be your your main talking points sort yeah. of thing. Like, like in, the, in the MLS, they had the thing with Rooney this week, didn't they? He got a yellow card. It was bought, but the, the VAR turned around to the referee and said, you might want to have another look at that. He had but, a look yeah. at it, and it was, well, fucking hell, that's a red card. <laughs> See, <laughs> perfect perfect example there, right? Yeah. That's perfect example to bring that up, though, Chris. Do you feel Lee Mason, Bobby Madley, then go back and admit they got a decision wrong there? No, that's the thing. I don't think they will. Although and we that, have we have co- we have kind of seen that this season it was it the, it was the Wolves Man United FA Cup game wasn't it where um, uh, so who got sent off someone got sent off Lindelof was, was it was, yeah Lindelof got sent off and then brought back on yeah yeah and stuff but yeah no I, I don't think they're gonna do it either I, you know but well we live in hope don't we. It's going to be some long podcast next season, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I think we may need a, a VAR referee in one separate. You know, we can do the football and then we'll do an extra half an hour after it just on referees and VAR decisions every week. <laughs> Ref watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, back to Man City then. I think that's where we were. Um, yeah, it, it, again, this wasn't a very eventful game. The last 15, 20 minutes seemed to be quite interesting. Um, the one thing, the, the, I say, Brighton looked quite resilient. I did notice how much Dale Stevens breaks up the play in mm. Brighton's game. You know, I've heard it. he gets a lot of stick from Brighton fans and stuff who don't understand why he's in the team and whatnot. But he he did look particularly impressive uh, breaking up play. Um, but Man City going, you know, we said earlier on it, they've been accused of going through the motions at the moment. And, and this was a definite, dis, uh, you know, instance of that. For me, you know, even at the end when Brighton were pushing everything forward, there were instances where Man City were countering them, and and it did, even then they they didn't look their normal, you know, sweeping self. I think there was the one move right at the end uh, when Sterling got the ball, oh, yes. and Brighton had literally palmed everyone forward, and Sterling broke, and it was very half-hearted. If you know what I mean. Well, they've won three games in a week in second gear. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's nice if you can do it, but. The question is, can they can they flick in the top gear when they need to? Yeah. And as we said earlier, they've got Spurs three times in the next two weeks. Yeah. So I think that's definitely their focus, isn't it? Those two Spurs games. Yeah, in, well, in the Champions League at least. I mean, it's got to be, hasn't it? But uh, they look they look a worse team without Aguero in it, which obviously is an obvious thing to say. But um, for all Jesus took his goal very well. Mm. He's he, not as he doesn't terrify defenders as much. Yeah, as Aguero he, does. he doesn't look as good as he did. If you know what I mean, I don't know if that's just because he's so in and out of the team. It can't be easy, can it? Playing once every couple of weeks or getting ten minutes here and there and coming on like when you, the guy trying to play has just scored a hat trick. Mm. And it's like, go on, just do, do try and impress me. And it's it's a thankless task really because he he's probably not going to replace Aguero anytime soon yeah. unless Aguero goes on a you know a, a barren spell which. He hasn't done the whole yeah. time he's been in England, <laughs> really. But, that, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Uh, thankfully, the other FA Cup semi-final was a much more lively affair. Um, my pick for the FA Cup Wolves were leading 2-0 with 11 minutes to go uh, against <laughs> Watford. And here's me thinking, yes, boys, I'm on. They're going to go to Wembley. They're going to beat Man City. Um, cue Gerald Delafayou. 
Ah, oh, bloody hell! What a goal that was as well. The Be- first one better the than Messi's the other week. I said this in the in the in the group chat. That was better than Messi's little chip thing the other week. Probably, yeah. Well, certainly for circumstance as well, rather mm-hmm. than being you know three one four one whatever it was at the time. Um, just no back left either to get that yeah. trajectory on the ball from there was. As the commentators were saying, he it was he was so casual, oh, so yeah. casual with it, you know. And I think he was a little bit perplexed about not starting because one of the things I had written down at this point was why some of the team selections from Watford were a little strange. You know, Watford, I think Gomez has played in the cup for Watford as well, so that's, that's fair enough. It's a nice touch because Wolves have done the same with Ruddy, but I'd probably argue Ruddy's been better than Patricio at times this season. What um, I was astounded with is Patricio wasn't even on the bench. I had some kid called Norris as the subkeeper, and I yeah. thought, Christ, if Ruddy goes down with, a, with an injury here, this young lad's going to be thrust in when <laughs> FA Cup semi-final. Uh, he got a Portuguese international just with his feet up somewhere. Uh, so, <laughs> it's strange to say Wolves, you know, put out a strong team. But then, yeah, Delafay, who's been one of Watford's best players in recent weeks, didn't start. Um, Jan Matt, who is their first choice right back, although I think he hasn't played the last couple of games, uh, was on the bench as well. Watford didn't look at it at all up until Delafay came on. I think Andrea Gray was pretty crap as well. Um, he's obviously done well in recent games and got the start I think he's played a lot of the cup games as well but he had no impact at all on the game really mm-hmm. and he effectively started ahead of Delefeu so once once Delefeu came on as you say he was fired up and changed the game but uh, I think he got man of the match didn't he who Delefeu Delefeu well Glenn Hoddle gave it a Raul Jimenez because it was 2-1 at the time oh yeah I suppose okay, <laughs> but I, I, I think I saw something at the end that Delefeu got man of the match despite not starting the game and not finishing the game well, that's all that matters, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, came on, scored two goals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I say uh, Matt Doherty gave Wolves a, a first half lead. Uh, Raul Jimenez celebrated signing for Wolves permanently, breaking their transfer record this week by scoring a fantastic FA Cup goal, uh, well worthy of putting his team into the final. Uh, to be fair, absolutely brilliant to bring it down on his chest and, and volley it in like he did. Um, but yeah, Delafaya comes on, scores a wonder goal. Uh, maximum shithouse Troy Deeney scores a 94th minute penalty he looked like he was shitting himself I don't care what he says in the interviews about how cool and composed he is and how you know what a man he is and all that he was shitting himself when he took that penalty well two things on this firstly Mrs Black had um, Jimenez and Deeney to score 9-1 to one. so okay. she was she was delighted when that penalty was awarded <laughs> um, secondly um did you see Deeney's interview with TalkSport in the week when he said, um, he basically went on a rant about how Watford had been dismissed as this long ball football side who actually plays some pretty nice stuff uh, and he wasn't excited for the semi-final because this is where Watford deserved to be and the, well, they want more games like this and this is just the tip of the iceberg. And then proceed for 80 minutes of humping the ball in the box. From the <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 what, I'd say Watford have been praised in the last two seasons for some of the football they've played. Yeah, and stuff like that. You know, I think we spoke about how you know how well they've been playing and stuff like that. They've they've had some patchy runs of form and whatever, but I I, don't, I haven't considered them a long ball team for a while. Yes, they've got two shit out strikers up up top and stuff like that. And to be fair, if 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 Watford aren't going to be a you know a, a lump the ball up or whack it into the area kind of club, Troy Deeney's going to have to fuck off. I was going to say, I actually <laughs> think I actually think Watford have outgrown Troy Deeney. Yeah. Like he, that he actually hinders them because he doesn't run in behind. I know he he's very good at holding the ball up, but 
if they're going to He's not very mobile deck. at all. No, no, not at all. Um, and I think it's one of those where he's actually bigger than the certainly the club is at the moment um, because he's been there for so long. Um, they could almost do with him fucking off, like and getting someone who more fits into the game plan, but he seems integral to uh, that club as a whole, so it's not going to happen anytime soon. But uh, I'm quite pleased for Watford in a way because uh, they haven't been that much worse than Wolves all season. I think Wolves have had a lot of credit for obviously being a promoted club. Mm-hmm. Um, but Watford have been pretty solid all year round, yep. really. Yeah, I so say that they've done all right. I think that, I think the thing is Wolves haven't had a bad run this season. Whereas at one point we were talking about you know you Wolves, you Watford, you Bournemouth for your seventh place, and yeah. then obviously Bournemouth have had sticky patches, and Watford had that sticky patch, you know. But if you think if Watford hadn't had that sticky patch, they'd have probably nailed seventh place by now. Well, I think that Watford start like a trend, didn't they? They won mm-hmm. what four of the first five or something. Same mm-hmm. them turned over Tottenham in September, October, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then they fell off a bit, but they just kept kept plugging away, haven't they? They've picked up a lot of points, which uh, they wouldn't have done in other seasons. Yeah, I so say they went to Wolves earlier on in the season. They go, they you know they battered Wolves at, Mol- at Molyneux this season as well. Uh, you know, and I think they've taken points off some of the big boys. You know, so yeah, they've done all right. They they deserve to get to the final. You know, um, I would have preferred Wolves. I think it just it's just a better story. Uh, well, I, th- I think Wolves have played have, have been brilliant this season. I think Wolves would have given Man City a better game in the final. Mm. Wolves are good against the the bigger sides, as we've seen from their league record, whereas every time Watford's seen to play Man City, they seem to get bent over. So uh, we'll see, but it's an, it's, it would have been a better game, I think, if Wolves had won. Yeah. It's strange with, with, with Watford, I say. Up, up until like, they scored... They they looked at, they looked at, they, they had no ideas they didn't do much their manager just literally stood on the, the the side of the pitch with his arms crossed the whole game. He was wearing one of those coats that made him look like he was two small people like, on top of each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they didn't seem to do it. And I think if it hadn't been for the fact that Delafeo he came on with a point to prove because he was you could tell he wasn't happy he hadn't started he, yeah. and he had that to him when he came on like what I'm going to fucking show you. You know, and he, when he said, when he scored the first, and he, his celebration was like, "I'm here. This is this is what I can do," and stuff like. That. And to be fair, like I think if I was in a five-a-side team and Troy Deeney got picked ahead of me, I'd I'd be pissed off. And I'm a 38-year-old non-professional footballer. <laughs> um, but yeah, penalty. There, there was there was some grumblings that it shouldn't have been given, but I think it's a fair penalty. I think Dendonka was unlucky. Um, but yeah. Ah uh, well, it was annoying because. Dini and him had been scrapping what a minute earlier in the corner mm-hmm. when Dini fouled him, and I think Dendonka was still a bit riled up from that, and therefore he's a bit rash with his with his challenge. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was for me, it was a definite penalty. Yeah, it's, it, it's a shame, really. And then obviously Delafoye, you know, scored in extra time. Uh, I saw I saw some people on uh, on Twitter criticising um, Ruddy for the second goal, but oh yeah, hundred percent. He he could have he could have done better. He just well, he, tried, he went with his feet for yeah, think, some yeah. some stupid reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, both both sets of players by that time were you, you could see they were exhausted, which is. Um, when he went to extra time, he kind of had that feeling that Watford might go. I think they'd only made one substitution at that point. And obviously with the new rule where you can make an extra substitution in extra time, you know, it gave them the yeah, slight worked, advantage. Worked out quite well for them. But I mean, two of the subs in injury time, uh, in extra time were, were injury uh, force. Like Holobas went off with mm-hmm. an injury and then obviously Delefeu turned an ankle towards the end. Yeah. 
Wolves had a late chance to equalise. Uh, Cavalero rounding the goalkeeper and then back healing it. <laughs> well, back healing it as a clearance, really. Just tackled himself, didn't they? Um, yeah. If that had got in, though, Jesus, I think Wembley would have exploded. It was uh, by that point, though, Watford had 12 men because Adama Traore was on for Wolves and he <laughs> just actively cleared everything out for a goal oh, kick, didn't he? he, he I was going to say uh, that, that one cross that he did that he literally just skied oh. into the stand. I, th- he, I, I think Nuno would have run the length of the pitch to throttle him if, if he there hadn't been in, cameras there. Just infuriating, isn't he? Like, it was weird because like, he came on and he, he played like as a right back and Doherty played right midfield and was giving him the ball and saying right just just run at them <laughs> yeah. and he was just like he- like a headless chicken just running and fair enough he was going past three or four men and then just shanking it out of play yeah. or putting in some sort of terrible cross but... if somehow you could teach him to cross I know it's uh, I mean they must get to a point where he's, they've had so much time to work with him he seems to me like he's gone backwards since his Borough days where he's actually getting quite a bit of end product by the time he left there Maybe maybe Pulis is the answer. I think he just goes into training, just gets on a treadmill and just like <laughs> gets a chicken in each hand and just sits there fucking eating them while running. <laughs> like the, he, he's a, he's a, a marvel of of a specimen, but yeah, he cannot cross. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Watford will go on to play Man City on uh, May the eighteenth, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's after the Champions League final this season. I think we spoke. Yeah, we spoke about this last week, didn't we? Oh, I think uh, it's before. Still, is it before? I can't I think remember. So. I think there's, there's something strange about it. Uh, I did notice. Have you seen BT Sports adverts for the FA Cup this season? Yes. Don't mug but, off the cup. Ah, uh, it's quite good, isn't it? <laughs> it but, is. It is quite interesting. It's just BT Sports coverage of the FA Cup. Well, the thing is, as well, I don't know if you saw this last week, but ITV are trying to get the rights back off BT so it'll be on BBC and ITV if they get it from maybe next season or the season after while I like um, that idea for the fans ITV's oh, coverage be, isn't much better huh? I th- no but the thing is like, if you watch if you look at Twitter when there's a game on BBC or ITV everyone's talking about it mm-hmm. oh yeah and the, and the viewing figures have been really very good for the, the FA Cup um, BT for all you know fair play for covering it and get, putting four or five matches on around they shove it out on BT Sport 2 they yeah. don't put the main commentators on it. They don't put the main presenting team on it, and I think that helps in in devaluing the cup really. Whereas you put on ITV and BBC, they'll have their A game. Like fair play at the BBC, they've got Lineker there every 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 um, you know their main tie every round. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll do the world a good if if every televised game is on the uh, one of the two channels. Yeah, so I've I've never agreed with pay uh, pay pay to broadcast TV having cup competitions uh, you know it's like the World Cup should never be on uh, on, on Sky or anything like that you know don't get me wrong Sky would do a great job in broadcasting the World Cup and all that but it just if you put a limitation in place to people watching it and yeah I say BT just like so I've got BT Sports now but I would never purposely pay for it Mm. I, I get it because it comes as part of my package that it just as I have Sky Sports, the Virgin lump in BT Sport, but it's I don't find it any I don't find their presentation very good. The oh. commentators make me want to claw my fucking ears out <laughs> and stuff like that. So you know it, it to the point today where watching the Wolves game um, at one point I was I'd I was streaming the American broadcast of it. Yeah, I could on my TV I could quite easily turn over and watch it myself. Um, yeah, they I'm, do, I'm not interested they do, in it. They do a lot of things quite well, but 
it's fundamentally not as good as Sky, and that's always what they're yeah. going to be compared yeah. to. It's like um, the, it's like the Pro Evo of sports broadcasting. <laughs> you know, and put the score in the top left-hand fucking corner. Aye. Uh, They've decided they're going to do things differently, and no one likes it. You know, and sack Ian Dark. Fucking hell. Oh, really? Give me Ian Dark every day over fucking Darren Fletcher, who... (laughs) I'd rather rather listen to fucking... What's his name? Jonathan... Pierce? Jonathan Pierce, yeah. I'd rather listen to him, I think. Wow. Yeah, I don't... uh, You know, and fucking... Fire Michael Owen and Steve McManaman into the sun. Yeah, I'm not that one. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, Chris Sutton can fuck off and all, um, but yeah, I don't mind Robbie Savage, which I thought I'd, you'd I know, I'd never no, thought I, I would say. No, I, I agree with you. Like he's, he's kind of gone full circle from being like a paid arsehole, like who was pretty much just there, there to wind people up. It's like Chris Sutton's taken his position as that, and Savage has now become this like tolerable man who. Isn't really that bad to listen to anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really strange. Uh, it, Savage does a podcast with um, Andrew Flintoff and Matthew yes. Said. Yes, it's quite and, good, like, Yeah, I really, really enjoy it. And you listen to him talk on there about how serious he takes it and how he wants to constantly improve and stuff like that. And I was just thinking, can you go around some of your colleagues and tell <laughs> them this? You know, because some of them sound like they hate football. You oh, know, they, they make Danny Murphy sound fucking bright and sunny. Oh, there's so many people who need to sign up with that course, like... So many commentators now are just picking up a quick book without, like Alan Smith. I know he's ex-Arsenal and all that. Bloody hell, he talks some shit. He's no more than Paul Merson, although we don't have to. We don't have to listen to him for, for a no while. I say, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, so they're better out than we are, I suppose. Um, any mm. other thoughts on anything over the weekend? We might as well cover Leeds's glorious ascent to the Premier League. Um, derailed by Birmingham City this weekend. Sorry, boss. Um, uh, I think Norwich won again. Sheffield, did Sheffield United win? Yes, okay. they were one nil winners at Preston, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So yeah, um, so could see Leeds in the playoffs after all. So uh, Villa in the Premier League at least this season. Uh, I don't know what else has happened in the world of football. The the only other thing I've got written down, I'm not even sure I want to talk about it. We we briefly mentioned it earlier on. Was the um so it's been the Premier League's uh, racism thing, where they re- uh week fortnight or whatever it is, where they wheel in uh, Premier League people in front of a black and white filtered camera and put <laughs> a video out. Have you seen that by the way? I have. Yes. <laughs> have you seen the Raheem Sterling bit at the end? No. So obviously they've put Raheem Sterling at the end because he's the one who's always in the news for the, uh, you know, ra- being attacked, uh, race- racially abused and whatever, and some of the media treatment of him and whatever. Right. So he's the last person to speak in the video that you see, and you can tell by the look on his face that if he didn't have to be there, he wouldn't. <laughs> he has got that look on his face of what the fuck is a video going to do? This is where I wish. I mean, Sterling, I, I believe, is probably the the highest profile and most respectable person in football trying to deal with racism and trying to bring it, not bring it to everybody's attention, because I think we all know it's there, but mm-hmm. he's the one who's who's not hiding, you know, he's not pulling any punches sort of thing. Yeah. I wish he wouldn't take part in videos like this. You know, make a stand. But they're not allowed to, are they? Do you know what I mean? That's where... Than making a stand, like what taking a money fine is that a big deal to to Sterling at this point? Is money more important than the message he's trying to get across? Well, I suppose, but then you when know, the, I, when the FA say you don't play for England again, I, I'm not saying they would. 
No, I know, but then again, that's could you imagine the like because we we know how racist the FA is. Let's mm-hmm. be real here. Um, how how bad it's going to look in them when? Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. If Raheem Sterling came out and went, I'm not doing these fucking videos. They're pointless. And yeah. then the FA were to say, right, you're in breach of your England contract or whatever. No more fucking England appearances for you. It would be the best thing to happen to football because the institution then would be held up accountable, and everybody would back Raheem Sterling. Uh, uh, and yeah, if you and didn't, I, you then questions ha- would have to be asked of, of those people. But absolutely. unfortunately, it's it's, it's not going to be, is it? It's it's no. It's unfor- It's that's how it is. And it's not a criticism on Raheem. Um, no, not at all. I genuinely feel he's one of the nicest guys in football as well. Mm-hmm. But I just wish with, with little things like that that he would do something because the the way all his statements he's bringing out and the post he's put on it and you know he's and he's hitting the whole. The whole subject nail on the head, you know, he's not hiding from anything, and it's brilliant to see. But just the little things like that, you then wish, all oh, right, just do it, just get, you know, just stamp your foot down and make people take action. Because yeah. though, as you say, those videos are pointless. Like the say no to racism campaigns with the khaki t-shirts at the mm-hmm. the games. We, we had it between Chelsea and bloody Cardiff City for God's sake. <laughs> Chelsea, the, the you know the most racist club in in the whole of England, in Bar and Millwall. Might take that poll, but they still wear the t-shirts, and it makes great because it it fills a great TV and poster campaign. Yeah. Whereas realistically, the only people who are standing out seems to be the young black kids of the clubs. You know, there's no. No, I know. I know it then becomes difficult, but I'd like to see white players standing up for it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who truly believed in it. Yeah. Not just captain saying, oh, you know, Raheem's a good lad and, you know, he feels strongly about it. I'd like to see them come out and feel certain. Like, no, he's right to say what he's saying. It's a disgrace what these players go through. Because we can all see it, like as fans. Yeah. But the thing the thing I've, I've been asking myself, thinking about this, because obviously we've had the, the incident with uh, Keane in, uh, or Kian, or whatever his name is, at Juventus. Yeah, at, at Juventus, yeah. Yeah, plenty, multiple instances of him. Obviously, we had the Sterling abuse uh, in the uh, England games recently. Uh, a Brentford fan was arrested this weekend for abusing uh, Dwayne Holmes of Derby. Uh, Zahar got abused online, although if they're coming for people who've abused Wilfred Zahar, I might have to start locking my doors at night. Nathan um, <laughs> Nathan Byrne at Wigan uh, has been racially abused. Northampton Towns players were walking around Nottingham on Saturday morning and were racially abused by a fan in the street. Um, and like, it, abuse it, it, players it's... all you want, right? I'm, I'm like, if you want to abuse a player, that's your pathetic pettiness. I mean, even somebody like Stan Collymore, who we all know is a bit of a cunt, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. we're not. We're not hiding from that, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. There's no need to bring race in it. Somebody yeah, not at all. Him the other day calling him a stupid black bastard or something like that. Yeah. Um, like, why? What has that got to do with anything? Call him, like... I think we've all probably <laughs> called Stan Colin or some sort of name with the idiotic things he's done in his life, but there's no need to bring any sort of racial abuse in it. Yeah, no, I, not I, at it, all. I think we, we brought it up, us three, you know, near the start of the season when we had, you know, a similar topic on, on race. It's, it's 2019, for God's sake. It's just... It's pathetic. Yeah, it is. It, it, I, I can't believe it, it. It goes on, and you know, and then you're talking about like, oh, clubs are going to get a fine and whatever. I think uh, I, I don't know. Is it is it Kian? The yeah, Juventus like that. Yeah. So so he got a fine, didn't he, for um, 
for his cele- pro- 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 provoking with his celebration, apparently. Uh, and then obviously, uh, Cal- it was Calgary, wasn't oh. it? They're going to get a yeah. fine as well. What is the point in fining a fucking football club? What what does that do? How, what how does that stop a fan or a group of fans racially abusing the opposition by fining the football clubs? You know they have to be tough on it. Lock them out of the stadium. We deduct on points because I Point, tell you, yeah. yeah, I tell you right. If I'm an Arsenal fan and I'm at the game, right, and I say Dave gets to Newcastle games, Ali, if you get to Liverpool games or whatever, if you're in the ground, right, and you're paying hard-earned money to watch a game, right, and you've paid, so Dave, you've paid for your season ticket, you know, your five quid or whatever it costs to watch Newcastle for the season, yeah. uh, four, <laughs> please, uh, right. So you, 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 then you're going to 19 home games a season with a couple of cup games and whatever. If say the guy next to you is racially abusing um, Wilfred. Zahar next week, for example, and then the FA turn around and say, "Okay, five games, you guys can't have fans in your stadium, right?" That's devaluing what the money you've put into your football club. So you can't go and watch Newcastle for five weeks now. Okay, Newcastle's probably a bad example because Dave's thinking wicked. I've got my Saturdays back, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. The fans yeah. are going to be like, "Well, I've paid money to fucking do this, and because you're a dickhead, I can't come and do this." I think that's the only way it's going to stop. You know, you I know. agree. You know, finding a fucking club two thousand euros or whatever. Yeah, what's what's a fine to a club who brings in multi millions every year? Um, The the most disappointing about the Juventus one was was is it Bonucci, the captain? Oh yeah, oh when he when he got misquoted. Fifty fifty. You know he shouldn't be doing that. What? Come on. Yeah. That that goes back to what I said about white players coming out and supporting. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just. Not just saying it for the sake of saying it either. You know, having the same beliefs as Raheem, as Sihan, as other... You know, I think Hudson Adoye. Was it Hudson Adoye at the England game? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he got, got it, he got, he got it uh, as well, didn't he? You know, I want to see players come out with Storm, and including Southgate, the manager. You know, I want to see... Like, again, just why not take your team off the park when it's that bad? Yeah, it's, it's you know, or, or players walking off. You know, the ones who are, who are who are offended by it and believe, which all should be offended by it, obviously. But make it that look, if we're getting it, let's just go. You know, as you say, then that's when the fans become affected, and hopefully the ones who who aren't knobheads, you know, are around mm-hmm. it, start, you know, taking taking sacrilege over it. Yeah. You know, they're losing out of money, they're losing points for the season. Yeah, you know, it's going to keep happening because I I do understand like if you've got a group. You know, of, of people racially abusing a player around you, you sometimes don't want to interact because of that whole mob mentality. But mm-hmm. you know, if it's then affecting your team and points wise, you'd like to believe it's not just yourself that's going to be annoyed at that group of guys or that individual. You know, yeah. there'll be a few, and then that's where that's when we can start. I don't think we'll ever get out of society. I really don't. I oh, think. Yeah, well, still, unfortunately, that's, that's a much bigger question, but, isn't it? But yeah, imagine but, if Chelsea were dot nine points this season. For, for racist abuse or whatever, it it would stop. Uh, uh, in football grounds, it would stop. It would stop. Uh, if, if not stop, it would certainly minimise. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll still get that drunken idiot who won't care. But the majority of it can stop to a point enough where it doesn't become a media talking point. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can see that there's action we take and you can see players are less affected by it. You know, it's not affecting them as much. Because you know they're getting supported by, you know, if you've got 60,000 people at a ground and, and you've got five people racially abusing, um, you could, the, the fans will soon stamp that five people out. If it's going to affect points, it's going to affect 
players joining your club. Yeah. Like right now, you tell me why a black player, a world class black player, wants to go and sign for a team in Italy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, it, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, there's there's been talk of like um, Juventus obviously being um, not held up in in, in the nicest light recently because obviously certain accusations made against their star player and whatever but there's talk that this Kian lad who's I believe he's in the form of his life scoring seven goals in seven games that Juventus are moving him on at the end of the season like how many clubs are we going to you know of that calibre have got young players who are playing really really well you know coming through and then thinking they're going to move him on because of the colour of his skin yeah well they won't there say that but yeah it, no no but we, we all know it and again yeah. it yeah it's just that's 2019 for you. It's kind of the way, like, I'm quick to judge. I think the world is, is full of people who get offended very easily nowadays over a lot of, you know, words and it's a bit too too soft, too snowflakey. But there's just things that can't be, you know, defended whatsoever. And there's no, there's no grey area over it. It's purely, pardon the pun, it's purely black and white. Yeah, I'll say it is sad as well, you know, to, to see. So I know, as... So, did you see um, this with the final point in it? Because I think this conversation could probably go on all night. Um, but so Raheem Sterling, um, media darling, as he isn't, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, spe- bought five hundred and fifty tickets to the FA Cup semi final. Which is, uh, if any player does that, it's a marvelous gesture. You know, no matter how cheap he's got those tickets, five hundred and fifty tickets for Wembley has cost him a lot of money, and it's people, uh, kids from his old school in London uh, where he grew up. Uh, did you see the Twitter responses to Sky Sports when they re- put this on Twitter? Was this the ones about none of them being white? None of them being white. Like, fucking... Sick. That's ridiculous. Does that not just sum up the whole conversation we're just yeah, having? It's, it, it's madness, like, how people can even think that that is acceptable in any manner. You know, yeah, I, I'm shocked. So, yeah. I, I just, you know, I wanted to bring it up. I didn't know what we could say about it, but... It's a topic that you, you really, as you say, you could do a whole podcast on it where, you know, a lot more people involved and, and it's always going to get heated because we're, I feel, especially in our group, um, I feel we're very passionate on this subject. You know, we've all got massive issues with it and we're, none of us really, you know, hide it either. You know, we're not really scared to approach the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really matter who we offend. I mean, if you're offended by listening to this topic, then I, I kind of don't want you listening. Yeah, in a way, the, the, there's probably other shows out there having big conversations for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it is. It's, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous that this is the talking point of football at the moment when... You know, we should be celebrating. Players like Raheem Sterling should be celebrated. Now, don't get me wrong, I've laid into Sterling multiple times, especially when he was at Liverpool, you know, for his finishing and being quite possibly the most frustrating players I've ever watched in my life. And I've watched Theo Walcott run around in an Arsenal shirt. Um, but, uh, again, he's, he's been absolutely magnificent as a player this season. And as a human being, he's, he's been impeccable uh, off the back of all this. Um, I just wish there was something more that, you know, the, the game could do to support him. Yeah, I mean, I think what you summed up best there, forget the football player Raheem Sterling, the human being is, I mean, without knowing the lad, obviously, just what we see portrayed in the media and the way, the way he behaves himself, mm-hmm. he, he must be the, one of the most decent footballers around. You know, he seems mm-hmm. to have a good head on his shoulder. 
Um, he got a lot of criticism from Liverpool fans, obviously, the way he left, but I mean, people forget that that was down to the club. Um, but he's never, you know, portrayed himself in anything but, you know, a top-level, decent guy. Every story that comes out about him, even the way the media try to portray it, you know, it always just makes him look, you know, the good guy. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and I think that's, you know, all down to himself. He just seems... And I feel it's quite similar with a lot of like young black guys as well. They're very family oriented, mm-hmm. you know. Like, the, there's none of the. If you look at the party lifestyle, you know, show-offs in football, it tends to be your standard. Like, look at the way Rooney, your Wiltshire, you know, those good old English lads. Mm-hmm. Um, even Gerard, you know, when he he got away with all his rubbish, yeah, you know, it seems to be the poster boys of England. Um, the only quiet one you'd say all that what well, that golden era was probably your likes of Frank Lampard and and even Scholes was quite quiet back then. But the rest all had that you know that lavish lifestyle that they wanted to live. All the all especially all the young black ones coming through, even from from Sturridge's era right through, it was it was do what we can for our family. Um, you never heard stories of them going out constantly and causing trouble, sort of thing. Yeah, um, and that's it. It, it. it would have been very easy for Sterling to go the other way, wouldn't it? With the treatment he's had, he could quite easily just turn around, you know, and been like, "Oh, do you know what? Fuck you all. I'm just going to do what I want. I'm here earning a lot of money, and just literally well, being a, a, a dickhead to the media." Absolutely, because he's been a star as well. I mean, you, as you say, like he was frustrating at Liverpool, but he was he was like instrumental in that title challenging team to City thirteen fourteen. You know, and he was only what nineteen at the time, mm-hmm. um, and he's only got better and better, and he's earned more and more money. So the spotlight has been on him since a very young age, um, and to have the head on his shoulders that he does, um, and as as we mentioned, like when we were, we first started talking about it, just the way he's tackled this issue head on, for me, is just remarkable for a for a man, like not even a player, not even anything else, just a man of his his stature and age is um, is remarkable. And I've got nothing but positive things to say about Raheem regardless of um, how he left us and who he plays for now. Um, it doesn't take nothing away from it for me. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's wrap the show up then, gentlemen. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Ali, please pimp your socials. Uh, Ali Thompson 84 on Twitter, and that's all for me because I'm quite boring compared to you two guys. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you ever listen, look at my Twitter, it's just me moaning <laughs> about stuff. Uh, Dave, Dave's is much more interesting. I was going to say, speak, speaking of boring... Uh... <laughs> Uh, so my Twitter is at cm9798 uh, or the website is cm9798.co.uk And you can find the show as a group, as a unit, as a network at Man on the Post on all the social media platforms. Uh, and that is it for this week. Thank you Again, thank you for joining me, gents. It's been a great conversation as always. And always remember to keep your man on the post. Uh-huh.